0: is going on everybody welcome to sitting with sean recover out loud episode number 45 brought to you by the anti-social network this morning this beautiful wednesday morning we have an awesome guest uh we got veteran and author d How how you doing d paul morning sean how are you ah dude i'm doing great Doing great. It's it's a beautiful morning. I just shaved my head as as we talked about. It's a, a new look for me, but I like it. Uh, you're uh, you're you're one sexy human. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I'm glad somebody thinks so. I'm glad somebody thinks so. Uh, I you know the beard stays. I, I used to get jokes that you know I was just face, beard, and legs, and now I'm now I'm a cue ball beard and legs.
1: Yeah, well, I'm kind of fond of cue ball, so <laughs> I, I think I think I've got a few decades of uh, of, a, of a clean head. No, so no. do we do we fit?
0: Yeah, yeah, do we fit in. Yeah, we do. Uh, so my dad's bald too. My dad's been shaving his head for quite a while, uh, and I looked at myself and I was like, "Oh God, your hair! It's just the the hairline is running away from you, brother. You gotta you gotta fix that." And uh, so I decided to, but this show is not about me, it's about you. Would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself?
1: I would. I'm here, I'm alive, and I'm on the show with Sean. How can you beat that?
0: You can't, you can't. You know, uh, You know the fact that you're here and you're alive and you're on the show with me in this moment present, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So. I,
1: I take it you wanted a better introduction than that?
0: hmm however you want to introduce yourself, that is on you. If- All right, here
1: we—there here you go. Okay. My name is Doug Fleming. I'm a hundred percent disabled vet. I, uh, I did my time in the, in the Navy. They tried to kill me a couple of times, but um, they were unsuccessful. Um, they sent me to the VA. That was an adventure. And we'll talk about that. And um, I'm sure somewhere in the course of this, and uh, I spent a lifetime learning the VA system, engaged in the battle. And now I'm helping vets. I've been helping vets for decades, but now I'm 100% focused on helping vets. And I I recently been uh, become a published author under the pen name of D. Paul Fleming. So if you haven't figured out Doug P. Fleming, D. Paul Fleming, it's not a it's not a far run. I figured if I tried to come up with a new fancy name, I'd forget who I was. But uh, prior to writing, I I, uh, I like I said at the time and the navy and then um i got dragged to dc spent 10 years down there on a board of uh, the largest veterans entrepreneur task force in the country responsible for laws like 109-461 which is the vet first contracting act um, along with a slew of of other laws i've given presentations for um, hud um, for michelle's group when she was in charge of the cve um, the veterans uh, the, the program with the va that Certified veteran and disabled veteran business. Michelle now runs a women's. Is focused on a women's program within the within the VA and doing smoking. So if you guys need contacts inside and outside of the VA, um, if you need help with with your uh, um, uh, treatment or getting appointments or things of that nature, I'm a pain in the ass to the VA in a good way on behalf of veterans. Um, in the course of the last year, I've kind of set my own personal record. I got a vet. Um, I helped a vet go from zero to 100% disability rating in somewhere between four and five months. You know I mean? But he he came to the table with a discharge from Army as a uh, disabled vet, but but he never did anything. And he sat on it for, Christ I don't remember, five or 10 years. Mm. Um, Anyway, um, plugged him into the DAV, which I believe is the best organization out there. They're all good. They're all good, but I I have a fancy for DAV. I know a lot of folks inside there and have some good contacts. So that's my long-winded intro. So before I take over your show, Sean, how about if I I back up and shut up?
0: Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, navigating the VA healthcare system and benefits is really, really hard and very tedious. Um, I didn't necessarily have to do it alone, but in this last venture of of, uh of getting reevaluated for my for my uh my disability rating for an increase it was it it was tumultuous to say the least um, I got a VSO the Vso only wanted to do so much and she was looking for approval ratings and then uh yeah on the back end I was just like hey I can do this on my own I don't need you because you're not gonna do the work for me so you know, really having somebody to sit there side by side with you and help you do the work—it's that that that's very um, beneficial. And so I want to thank you for everything that you've done for the veteran community, and uh, and take a moment and just and just say uh, thank you for for sharing your story, what you're going to do here in, in a few minutes, and and uh, I just I greatly appreciate you and all the hard work you've put in.
1: Well, it's very kind of you, Sean. I I accept the honor with. Um with humility. And I'm, and I'm grateful for your, uh, for your kind words.
0: A lot of people don't understand like, like how hard it is to help people, but then how hard it, how much harder it is to help veterans. Like that, that's a fight in its own. Not easy. No, no. Uh, Not easy. The position I'm in now, I I help veterans that are justice involved. And um, so I help them you know, achieve sobriety, and then I help them maintain it as well as mental health. I call it mental wealth, uh, but I help them to to achieve sobriety and then help them to maintain, you know, what they have and gain those tools and those skills to, once they're out of the program that we have, you know, release them out into society and become productive members of society.
1: And, well, I felt a lot of vets with, um, with a variety of issues, and uh, substance abuse is the is the toughest because if you don't if you don't start talking about what's causing the issues, then it's very tough it's very tough to maintain, and that's that's one of the key parts of the mission that I'm on now. And the reason I wrote uh, my first book, and that's to tell the story, so that I can help others start talking about their trauma. Their reasons for substance abuse, their reasons for uh, the, the the things that haunt them, um, and and for me, once I started talking about it, it 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 started me on that path. But getting getting to the point of being willing to talk about it was the first step, and frankly, it it is the toughest step. And oddly enough, it's a first step you take many times when you're learning to talk about your past your trauma whether it's combat or 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 people who've never been in the military a lot of people suffer from trauma and and the core that i found and and especially from my experience has been the the um warrior mentality and the refusal to admit there's something wrong and once you can admit there's something wrong at least to yourself and you can uh, make the, take the step of being willing to talk to somebody about it. it. doesn't have to be a mental health counselor, it doesn't have to be the VA, it doesn't have to be somebody in psychology. It can be your friend. It can be your you know your, your combat buddy or your veteran or for me, it was my wife. You know, and then that, that was my starting point. But I also have uh, people I have helped that their starting point is a friend and just just being able to say it to somebody opens you up. And again, that's that's why I wrote the first book um, to, to start telling my story to help others tell theirs.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and one of the things that you start to realize when you talk about these things, and then other people start to share those those things, which and, and, and there's a reason why I do podcasting, is you realize like how different we are, but how similar we are, and what we go through—not the exact situations, but the roundabout situations, the roundabout cases, the precursors that happened, you know what led you there and and where you're at now. and then also uh, just the way that people process things and the way that people um, end up r- being resilient and, and coming through the other side uh, not unscathed, but coming out the other side a better person than they than they were when they got there.
1: I think those are, are great words. Resiliency and uh, and perseverance, um, you know, two of the two of the key things for me in both trying to do life and then trying to heal from the things that I've either done in life or been through in life.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get into it. Where where are you originally from? Um, originally.
1: So has anybody talked to you about the birds and the bees, Sean? I mean oh God. Is, that, is that the original <laughs> original piece or no, no. Do you want to where fast forward born? somewhere.
0: Where were you born? Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 okay.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we, you never we, know when,
0: you we, never know we, where
1: a veteran will take you.
0: Right, you know? right. We 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 all we we know about 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 the first great race. Yeah. In which you were the winner. <laughs>
1: I didn't follow that one.
0: Okay. I'm going to tell you offline. Anyways, I'll tell you offline. That's not PG. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Anyways. No, where were you born? So
1: I was born in Hartford, raised in Connecticut, joined the military. They sent me back to Groton Subbase, um, which I went from there. I had been uh, I went all the way around the world on a uh, around the world deployment within my first year in I was out of boot and a school and before I was a, a year into the military, I'd already I'd already uh, ventured halfway around the world to a place called Diego Garcia. It's a dot in the middle of the Indian ocean. If you, if those of you who don't know that part of the world and uh, kind of traversed back after some, um, some interesting maneuvers, um, came back through the Panama canal and in chopped into Groton I was attached to that boat for three years and two months, deployed two years, one month. Um, and uh, got hurt a few times while we were were deployed. Um, Frankly, maybe tried to kill me, as I say, jokingly, unsuccessfully, Um, but um, uh, they they wanted to discharge me to VA before my full obligation was up and I refused. Um, But I had a, when my term was up, I went to, they shipped me to Boston VA. And um, that was my first experience with the VA and I got to tell you, uh, back 40 years ago now, uh, if you could put yourself walking through a VA hospital, but if I remember right, it was the seventh floor of uh, downtown Boston, wow. and it was a, a scene in in foreshadowing, so to speak, of of um, Tom Cruise's the Fourth of July movie. I mean, it was smack right out of that. And when I saw that movie, I was like, "That's what it looked like when I went to the VA." There were there were veterans in gurneys in the hallway. There was feces and urine and it stunk. And they, and the, one of the haunting scenes was a veteran reaching out, begging me to talk to him. Please hold my hand. Talk to me. I'm, I'm what, 22, 23 years old. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out life now I'm staring at these guys begging me to, to talk to them. And then I end up in a closet with a, with a, a a doctor who gave me my first medical rating and um, no I mean it's a, it's an eye-opening experience to, to walk it um, by yourself um, try to traverse the the mechanism of the VA the mechanics of it especially back then um, sometime later I got a letter in the mail saying I was a disabled vet and honestly Sean I, I, I can see myself doing that as I'm talking to you I, I started to started to take that letter and Throw it away. It was like, I'm not a not this disabled bullshit. I'm not a rah!
0: <laughs>
1: Something inside of me said, Hey, 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 uncrinkle that, uncrinkle that. And I and all of a sudden I got calm and it was it was pretty pretty weird. But a voice was telling me, No, 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 no. Hold on to that. You you got something we need you to do. And then I paused and I thought about that for a second. And I said, What? In the What's going on here? Yeah. And that, that's kind of the that's kind of the cliff notes. And then the next um the next uh it was about seven years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I battled the VA um relentlessly, and I mean relentlessly. And they as you know, inside the VA, you can they will hand you your ass eight ways to Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I got knocked down and I, I kept getting back up, and I'm not gonna say I didn't spend some time licking wounds but I was trying to find out what was wrong with me and why. And while I was fighting on the physical injuries, what I didn't know was the mental injuries. Didn't, didn't, even, didn't even draw until um, roughly a couple of years after that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting angry out of the blue and getting, I mean, mad and mad and mad. And I didn't understand why one day I just looked at my wife and I said, I need help. Find me, find me. And I I apologize for saying this, but find me abroad to talk to. Okay. So my wife found a woman and I I started paying out of of pocket uh, to talk to her. And that was kind of my first step. But it was honestly, for me, it was something inside of me telling me there's something wrong. You need help. And I, I didn't want to admit it. And I, and I certainly didn't admit it to myself for for decades, but that was the start for me, um, you know, kind of the cliff notes, if you will, of a roughly a ten year battle between the military sending me to VA and the VA saying you're retired, you're hundred percent disabled vet, you know, here's the keys to the kingdom,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, and uh, you know, here's your ID card, good luck, get out of our building.
0: Yeah, yeah. That I think that moment that we get to and we say there is something wrong, uh, that's in a, in a weird way, that's a real deliverance moment, right? That That's the, yes, the sir. there's that's the acknowledgement that that I'm not normal because we like you know, we like to fight with this idea, especially well, I know myself, I don't know about you, but I used to fight this idea of like, I just want to be normal. I just want to be normal. But there's that lingering thing or those lingering things in the background that prevented me from being normal. And now I don't even care about being normal because what's normal now? You know what I mean? We're
1: we're vets. So throw scrap the normal thing out. Throw it, throw it. No get rid of it. Okay, yeah. once you do boot camp, look, you're you're no longer normal. You're an exception to the rule. Yeah. You're you're somewhere between the one and five percent. You're somewhere in there. Okay, which means everything you do in life is heightened. It's more real. It, it has more body to it and more character. It takes you as an individual and lifts you above without without looking down at anybody else, but it lifts you above them like you can float and see something that nobody else sees. But again, once you survive boot camp, hey, that's a step in, 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 the, in the direction that very few take. So you're ahead of the game. Now you get back into society, you know. And I watched um, uh, Everlasting podcast. Jeez, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, oh I'm trying to blank. Ryan uh, Langley, yep. uh, Lang- Langley, Ryan. Uh, he did his intro podcast and he spells it perfectly about, you know, uh, entering society, reentering society, how it how it works as a fact He did a great job of spelling it out. Anyway, what I'm trying to drive at, um, Sean, is that. As a veteran, we're not normal. We are, we've gone through things that few people go through. So it is our obligation to help society with mental wellness. Yeah. I personally look at it that way. And I personally ask you to consider it that way. With everything we've done and accomplished, we're expected to lead the charge, once again, to help with mental mental wellness. Therefore, I challenge all of you, all my fellow vets, to start talking about your trauma. Absolutely. Oh my God, I sound like an infomercial.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No, I I understand that, and like I completely relate to what you're saying. I, I think that 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 we vets, I can't. I've heard this so many times, and I've said it too, and and I've been like, you just don't understand. Well, I'm not giving you the opportunity to attempt to understand it by shutting you down right by just saying that blanket statement you'll never understand well yeah you're not cuz I'm not I'm not I'm not giving you that 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 chance to to understand what I've been through
1: yeah you know I I I'm picking it up I'm picking up what you're saying and I I think I can I think I can help with that as I, I absolutely understand how you feel right now, Sean. You can't, you don't know how to put the words together because in your mind it's not connecting. Yeah. It's it's like a it's like there's a gap. You know the sparks on one side, and you and you, you just want to you want to, but you can't tell them, and you can't bridge that gap. Yeah. This this is where over time veterans transition from being the warrior to being a wisdom leader. That's the, that's the transition. Now that transition can take a small amount of time, maybe a couple of years, or it can take decades. For me, it took decades. But for me, I also had to go through all of that learning crap, all of it, all the times I got my teeth kicked in, knocked down, beaten, dragged through the mud, raped, by the VA treated like something that I'm not. I had to go through all of that so that I can be here now and say, okay, so I was the warrior. Now I've got to use it and be the wise one, the wisdom, the person that can say, look, I was a warrior too. Now let's take everything we've learned and help the warriors learn that their next role is to be the teacher. Is to be the one out front saying, "Okay, we need the warriors." Don't get me wrong, Sean. We've, we've. I enjoyed my time as a warrior, but now it's time to actually help the warriors become the wise guy, the wise men. All right. In the in, I've read a lot on Native, um, on Native American, uh, in my heritage and so on. And there used to be a time when the warriors would go to war that the medicine folks would not let the warriors come back into the village until they cleared them and they would go out, keep them outside the village, sage them, clear them, do a cleansing ritual and take all the darkness that's gathered when you go off and become a warrior and they neutralize it, get rid of it, clear the spirit and the soul before they're allowed to reenter the village. In part, that's what I've been working on for the last five or six years in which took me down the path of deciding to write books. How's that help you?
0: Wow. That perfect. Perfect. Um, why do you think that it's harder for, for a government system to integrate veterans back into society after they've served, uh, you know, a a period of time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, big question. Um. So let me start by saying it this way. I spent a very long time angry at a number of things. God, the VA, the Navy, the government, you know, pick it. And I'm sure whoever's listening to this is going to add to the list because that's not my only list. Yeah. One of the things I started to do was stop. I stopped trying to find... The why's stop trying to figure out what went wrong why didn't somebody why couldn't they figure out what was wrong with me why did it take until this bill giving us civilian health care before i actually started getting progress on my physical injuries why once i started once i stopped being angry over trying to get the wise sean mm-hmm. it opened up a whole world of possibilities now, now, that's kind of the path. Yeah. To answer your question, if you look inside the VA, um, the VA has a slogan that says, I care. Well, I'm certain that some people inside the VA do care. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the machine does not care. They don't care. I've had VA doctors write in my record that, quote, he threw a chair and stormed out right? That's just a bold-faced lie. never threw a chair. I always went to the VA with somebody with me, so I'd I'd have a witness. I've had the VA railroad veterans and hold up their medications. So the, the question is why? If you go to the VA and you show any amount of anger, what happens to the VA employee? They immediately shut down, call security, back away from you, so the question is, why? Well, in my 10 years as a board member on VetForce, I learned an awful lot about how the VA works. So if you look at the union representing the VA, their position is very simple. They tell their the VA employees, you don't have to listen to any of their shit. If they get loud with you, if they're disrespectful to you, walk away. Okay, Don't listen to them. Don't help them. Call your supervisor. You don't have to be treated that way. So if you go to the VA and you study what happens, watch watch them. A VA employee will antagonize a veteran more times than not. Now the VA loses their mind when I say this, but veterans don't because they get it. You go into the VA, you sit there for three hours waiting for your appointment. You're, you're not only pissed off, you're lost. You don't know what's going on and you're a number and, and they don't care. Why? Why was your question? Why? Because it's a machine. Now, I used to get angry at these things. And what what did that do for me? Nothing. So what I learned to do was understand the system and learn how to play the game. And um, my adopted godfather, Master Chief Hesser, is buried in Arlington now. I hope he's buried and if left him in Arlington unburied. That would be a mess, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, speaking of which, that was the first full uh, military honors funeral I'd ever been to in Arlington. If you've never been to one go it's it's quite a, it's quite emotional anyway what master chief taught me was don't let the bastards grind you down kill them with kindness Now again i'm back in my warrior time i want to fight i want to battle I didn't want to be wise I didn't want to be smart i wanted to hit i wanted to attack i wanted to i wanted to you know what i wanted to do yeah All it does is lead you to drink, lead you to anger, lead you to frustration, because you you, you don't have an objective. And anybody that's been in a combat unit or in a frontline unit or something that's supported where there's a lot of pressure, you've got a hell of a plan and an objective and a goal and a mission. And then you move. So when you go to the VA, do the same damn thing. But remember something. You're not going to beat the machine. But if you're nice, you can trip it up and give them no place to go. You're there to get treatment. Figure out how to be kind enough to get to the front of line.
0: Does that help you, Sean? Absolutely, absolutely. One of the thing that I, I I I found the most bizarre when dealing with the VA is that you know veterans were held to a standard, right? So if we miss an appointment, that's docked against us. Um, you know, if we don't refill our meds, that's docked against us. Uh, if we're not, if we don't go to our yearly checkup, that's docked against us. But you go, like you said, you go to an appointment, you sit there, and you're at your at your appointment at the scheduled time, and your doctor hasn't come out yet, and it's been 45 minutes to an hour, nothing happens, right? There's no standard that they're held to, but we are held to the grindstone. And I, I think that double standard is absolutely terrible. I've had that happen multiple times.
1: Yes. Now pay attention to what's going on with the um, successful legislation on veterans being allowed to go to private care, okay? I don't step foot inside a VA. I mean, I stopped going to the VA other than primary care for -hmm. for a, a long time, all right? Now, everything I do, dental, everything, everything I do outside the VA, So I'm here to tell you, if the VA tries to tell you that you can't go to private care, don't don't ignore them. In the simplest way, the fastest path to get attention on your case, do what I do. Pick up the phone and call the chief of staff for your state or your regional hospital. Don't screw around with, you know, the, the supervisor at the local clinic or anything else. Go directly to the chief of staff, get online, get their email number or or their email and their phone number and call them. And I'm telling you, be polite. Don't let the bastards grind you down in the words of Master Chief. Kill them with kindness. Tell the chief of staff how you feel, very politely, very quickly. Don't waste time. Don't tell them your life story. Just tell them, here's what I need. This is what's going on. I want private care. The law says I have it. Please authorize my private care. Okay. And if he doesn't, call him the next day, and then call him the next day, and then call him the next day, and then have your mother call him, have your brother call him, have another vet call him. This is how I get things done on veterans' behalf. I pick up the phone, and I call the chief of staff, and I say, we have a vet that can't seem to get his meds. My next call is to the secretary of VA in D.C., which will it be? Nine times out of 10, the vet gets taken care of. So we have tools. We have ways to get these things to accomplish. The hard part for veterans is breaking that chain of command. So guess what? You're a veteran now. Break the damn chain of command.
0: You don't Call the big boss. Either.
1: Call the secretary of VA. As God is my witness, at one point in time, I had direct phone communication and email communication with the secretary of VA, and we were getting things done. I got burnt out quickly because there's so many vets to help. But I'm telling you, there are enough people inside the VA that you just have to find the right person that can push the right buttons. Now I know veterans can do this. And if you can't call me. Reach out. I'm sure Sean can. I'm sure I can. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got to teach, we've got to teach veterans to do this. But again, I, I'm telling you, yeah, you, you can't do it from the warrior mentality you have to do it from the wise man mentality and i'm and i'm not talking about um you know the soprano wise man
0: yeah okay? it's not what i'm saying
1: guys i'm saying yeah. wise man as in a smart man a, a seasoned man
0: yeah yeah hey, somebody else Sean, if enjoy. i'm talking
1: too much if i'm talking too much just flip me off like three times in a row i'll get the message
0: ah oh, you're good you're good i enjoy listening i enjoy listening it's about you it's about you so uh your book, how many books do you
1: have? So um, I've got one published now, right? I've got uh, two more that are um, getting ready to head into the editorial process and they should be out in a few months. And then the, uh, um, the first book, which is 2,442 Steps to Crazy, the beginning. Um, the, the second book in that series Will be out later this uh, later this year, most likely most likely in the summer. Um, but that particular book um, is kind of the opening chapter, if you will, about uh, being able to start talking about trauma. Right. The story is about resiliency. It's about perseverance. It's about survival, uh, but it's also about child abuse. And neglect, and verbal abuse, along with physical abuse, and childhood trauma. So what I'm what I'm doing here, Sean, is I'm I'm writing a series that starts out from the very early days of life. Not not as early as you wanted to go back to, from the very <laughs> early days of life. Literally, the first memory of what you you have, and and. the the intent is so that people will see my story and know that they can talk about their story as well. If you don't talk about it, how are you going to heal? So that's what I, that's the reason behind what I wanted, why I wrote the book, but Sean, I got to tell you, it was a, it was as big of a fist fight as as many of the other things, you know, fights that veterans put up when they don't want to do something. You know, I did not want to write this book. I, I fought, I fought and fought and fought and procrastinated, and you name it, I did it. But um, eventually, my faith won out, and I, I knew there were just too many signs, too many signals, too many warnings, if you will. You know, write the damn book. right? Um, when it came down to the mission of being able to help others, that's when it kind of resonated with me. And, you know, Sean, I barely got out of high school. I mean, I was in the military at 17. Wait do you read about that book. Holy <laughs> Lord. Okay, But uh, um, as a matter of fact, I was on a different podcast, not far from a brick building that wanted to see my enlistment papers many, many moons ago. Wow. Anyway, uh, the reason I wrote the book, was to tell my story so that others will know it's okay to tell their story. Now military trauma is is something and in the in the next series of books you'll you'll see where the military trauma comes in and then you know what happens with they kind of gave you a sense of it when we talked about being discharged to VA and so on. But in this first book it is a it is a emotional tug of war on your entire being of what happens to this little boy and how his hope and faith overcome the most insane odds known to man. It is a riveting story. It is a visceral story, and it is one that will stick with you long after you finish the first book.
0: Absolutely. How was it telling your story for you? Was it therapeutic? Was it kind of like, like, Oh, this really sucks to write down or uh, was it freeing for you?
1: The shortest answer is all of the above. Um, But to touch on a little piece of each of what you ask, um, it was brutal to go through the process of writing the story. It was brutal. There's things that I remembered while I was writing it that I know I wished I'd never remember. Um, there were events that were um, so traumatic that um, uh, I, I've tried to you know, recloset them. Um, but uh, writing the story was the hardest part. It was somewhat relieving writing it, but it had to go through a process. It had to take time. And then once the story was out there, that's when the panic set in. Because I I was always of the position of, who the hell wants to read this crap? Why would anybody want to hear my story? Why? Why would anybody want to hear my story, Sean? And then the response, has been unbelievably rewarding, relieving, healing, and powerful. I'm shocked in a good way at the outreach from everybody who's uh, who's read this book, and I, I mean I mean shocked. I didn't realize the um, the brutality of what I survived until I listened to people tell me their thoughts. On the book. So I'll give you a quick story. Um, when my wife read the book, we've been together for 50 years. Well, nice. 30, 35 actually, but Close I, I like to add a little bit to it, you know. <laughs> she sat down and read the book. We've been together 35 years. She didn't know anything about it. She knew nothing. And it's taken her She's still processing it, okay? Because when you when you love somebody, especially someone like me, I'm a, I'm a pretty lovable guy. <laughs> well, when you love somebody, you know, like your family, your wife, your spouse, and then you realize what they went through, it hurts you. It hurts the person that didn't know what the other person went through. Now, that I didn't expect. Yeah. So learning – Writing the book is helping me learn how to help others, including our veterans, in how to tell their story. Because you're gonna be surprised by, by things that uh, come out of it, but the most important thing is the support and the love that comes along with telling your story. And then the last piece, Sean, I got to tell you, um, it is, it is healing. I'm, I'm feeling the, I'm feeling the the relief. Uh, I'm feeling lighter. Um, and again, I've, I've had a a good number of years where I've really worked on myself and, um, um, but you know, like that weight they talk about, I could feel another piece of that coming off of me as I, as I, as I've told this story. And then the last part, um, look, I, I barely got out of high school. So, um, You know, I I slept in most of my English classes, so I I didn't know a pronoun from an adverb or an adverb from a, you know, that's all the big words I know. So I I can't use a comparison. (laughs) Right. So and punctuation. Listen, a period goes at the end of a sentence, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Now write a book. Well, here's the cool thing. I did two years of of typing in high school. So all I needed to do is figure out how to get Microsoft Word to turn on and then type. And then the computer, it, it does a pretty amazing job these days. So I don't want to hear anybody tell me, I can't tell my story. I don't know how to write. I don't know how to. Yeah, yeah, you can. All right. The computers are pretty good. But uh, uh, telling the story now, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't been so afraid. I really wish I would have had the courage to overcome my fear sooner and get this story out there. But as soon as I say that, it always comes back to the same thing. I had to go through each piece so that I could be here right now. And that's a big thing of what I'm trying to get across to everybody who's suffered trauma. This trauma, child abuse, combat. And again, I was in boot camp where a guy slid his wrists. Okay, we this is boot camp. So even boot camp is enough trauma for some people that it sticks with you. So I've I've learned to hold no judgment towards anybody. Another another thing I've really valued in writing this book and watching people or listening to people's response to the book is the judgment factor has fallen away on everybody who's read the book and the comments about you don't judge people because you know not what they've been through. Um, that that's really resonating from this uh, the, the the reviews of this book and what what people have talked to me about. But um, to bring that back full circle, um, uh, the reward of writing this and now being able to help people proves to me that everything I've gone through and anything that everybody listening will go through is for a reason. So try to suck it up, get through the tough times, because you have to teach somebody somewhere down the line how to survive what you've been through. That's the reward of the book.
0: Absolutely. I remember the first time that I shared my story, I was a year sober, and it was the most terrifying moment of my life. I did not want to share my story. I was scared of what other people would think about me because I viewed myself as the worst person in the room. You know, I've been through so much. How can I operate as, as a human being? Um, but given the opportunity of who goes first, I said, I'm going to do it because I need to get this out of the way. <laughs> and I shared my story and it was like you said, it was like this weight got lifted off of me. It was like somebody handed me a key to a room that I didn't know existed. And it was freeing. And I, you know, on the back end, there was complete silence. Nobody said anything. I was like, oh, God, here it comes. Here comes the tidal wave of just terrible thing, terrible things that are going to be coming out of these people's mouths. And it was nothing but love. And I was just like, oh, my God, what a relief. And the more that I share my story, the more that I realize that I start remembering things that I didn't remember before, but also – um, Communicating the, the bad things and communicating the, that aha moment that we get in our life where we realize we need help and then communicating that, that, that triumph, the resiliency, um, that sparks a lot in, in, in people. And then we start to be able to understand that we're not so different, as, 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 as different as we are, as culturally different as we are, ethnically different. We are not so different. And it's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I can, I can, uh, I feel where you're coming from, on putting yourself out there and having that, um, that terrifying pause, while you wait for boos or cheers. Uh, But the the thing I've learned and the thing I'm hearing from your uh, from your story of telling your telling your story the first time, well, trauma is different. The result of the mental illness is the same, it's it's all the same. Again, if you get a psychologist on your show, they're gonna say, oh my God, no, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. Fear, worry, rejection. I'm different, I'm not a human. I've screwed up so bad that I can't possibly re-enter normal people when the reality is normal people are more screwed up than veterans. (laughs) <laughs> okay because at least veterans have a concept of being screwed up if you watch around walk if you get around people that you know are screwed up and they just have no clue at least veterans have a sense that something's wrong that they don't fit in and i'm not I'm not trying to pick on people that don't know there's something wrong with them that's that's part of the that's part of the mix it's part of the the gauge of trying to figure out where you are—if everybody was exactly the same—then there's no gauge. Yeah. But to sit in a room and have that brutal fear of what people are going to think—that was a struggle. And again, it's a struggle I deal with every day. Um, people that tell me they're they're over, and I kind of go, "God bless you. If you can bottle it, ship it, let me know." <laughs> but um, you know, I'm writing I'm writing books right now that I, I, I look at this stuff, and I'm like. Some of it's funny as hell. Some of it's like cracks me up. And I'm like, man, I hope hope others see it the same way. But I've got a great wife who just constantly reassures me that what I'm doing is, you know, it's going to work. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. But in the end, taking that first step, it sounds like your first, one of your first biggest steps was telling that story. I think you said at year one. I think you said at year one, Sean? Yep. Right. And 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 putting it out there. And here comes the reward. The people sitting in the room go, Yeah, done that, been there. Yeah. Yep. 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 Up yep. oh, seen that one. Nope, haven't seen that one. That, that's a pretty good one. But um let me tell you what I did. And then you realize that you're not alone. In fact, the entire world is screwed up. We're just a different level of screwed up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the final piece is, you know, you're talking about not when to write your book, and not, you know, you're just like, I just don't want to do this. I've been in the process of writing my my book, and I have sat here and I've deleted the fi- the whole thing because I was like, I don't want to do it, <laughs> right? And then I don't right, want to tell anybody this. I don't want to talk. I don't about want you this, to know. Right? And then a friend of mine, I don't know if you like how spiritually you know, in depth you are, but I had a psychic friend of mine said, write a book, write your book. She didn't even know I was in the process of writing a book. She was like, write your book. And I was like, oh God. (laughs) Okay. All right. So now I'm in the process of restructuring this book that I wrote. And I handed, you know, I handed the forward to my girlfriend. I said, read this. She was like, no. She's like, this is not, no you can do better. And I was like, okay. All right. And that's what I need. I need people that are next to me. that are like, you can do better and and hold me accountable while I'm in this process.
1: Yeah. I would tell you to write it from your heart. Yeah. Don't, don't write from your head, let it pour out of your heart. And, and one of the, one of the things that I, if you look at the reviews on Amazon on the book that I, I just released, you, you can feel the emotion coming off of the reviews. And the people that have read the book have gotten so caught up in the story that they, quote, feel like a fly on the wall, unquote, listening to the story. Other people's a veteran, said to me, he goes, holy hell, it felt like I was back in combat listening to you tell this story. I was, I was there. I could feel it. I could smell it. I could taste it. But it's because I wrote from my heart. I didn't think about it. I just wrote and I have a deep, 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 unwavering faith. Okay. So, if I, if I, when I sat and typed and I just allowed myself to tell the story or let the story be told through me, it all worked out. When I sat there and tried to think it out or I read it and I was like, and I started trying to, you know, be in my head and analyze it and say, oh, I don't know if they're going like to like, then it all went to crap and I did what you did. I threw the file away. I threw the computer screen out the window and said "The hell with this, you know, and started over. And then I, I, got, I got to tell you this, don't don't be unsupportive of yourself for scrapping it and starting it 5, 10, 20 times. Yesterday I sat down and looked at 13,000 words that I had typed on this book, um, this next book that I have uh, that I'm working on. And I said, "Uh, I'm going to start over because all of those trial runs help line you up for how you best want to sequence and carry the story. So what you're doing, Sean, is you're simply typing it again and again and again, and you're getting through the drafts in your mind and on paper. So don't be bashful about throwing it out and starting over. I, I wouldn't throw it away in the permanent pile send it send it somewhere else so it's out of your touch but in a year two years three years you can open that file again and see what you wrote because you may find an entirely new story in what you thought was a castaway a paragraph that you wrote could become your next novel because that paragraph could become the whole tale of something that crosses your plate in a year two years you said you, know, you you had a psychic friend tell you some things. Um, you know, I would I would listen. I would
0: listen. Yeah. People are brought in our
1: path for a reason. Yeah, well, wait till you read my book. You're going to you're going to see some spirit stuff in there. You're going to see some spirit stuff in there, Sean.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. So before we shut down the show, where can we find your book and where can we find you?
1: OK, um, so. I am a social media uh, guru, okay, I have been on Facebook now for six weeks, okay, so I have a hundred million gigabytes, no, wait a minute. I ha- I think I have two or 300 followers, but I've been on Facebook for six weeks, so, you know, for those of you who know how the game works in Facebook, obviously I'm... I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Facebook at D Paul Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G, D Paul Fleming. Buy the book on Amazon. It's on um, unlimited Kindle. It's on Kindle. It's on paperback and it's on, it's in a, in a hardcover. Um, I know you can get it at other places like Barnes and Noble and so on, but the easiest place is to go to Amazon and type in 2442 steps to crazy the beginning or type in D Paul Fleming. It's 20 bucks on a paperback. It's uh, about 140 pages or so. Great read. Um, you can also you can also go to the formal website blackhawkbooks.com. On blackhawkbooks.com, we've got a a page that says tell me your story. If you want to talk about trauma and you don't want to talk about it to anybody else on the planet. Tell me your story. If you tell me to keep it confidential, it'll never go anywhere. If you want, uh, you want help telling your story to others. I'm happy. I'm happy to help. But 2,442 steps to crazy. The beginning. It will captivate you. It will show you perseverance and, re- and uh, resilience, and it will not let you go. I'll close that part with this. I caution everybody who buys this book, bring a pillow, bring a box of Kleenex and bring time. Okay. Now time's easy because once you start reading this thing, you're not going to want to put it down. The Kleenex, everybody knows what to do with Kleenex. Now, what's the pillow for? Okay. I've had people reach out and say, I threw your book across the room and I can't find two pages. Said, Why <laughs> did you throw the book? Because that bastard made me so mad, I I was screaming, I was stomping my feet. <laughs> so now I say, bring a pillow, so that when the book pisses you off, you can fling the pillow. Because I, you know, again, you, you can throw the Kleenex, but well, how much fun is that going to be, yeah. right? But it's a it's a it's a great read. And then um, quickly, the the next book out of the gate is called "The Mysteries at the Windham Inn," and it's a it's it's the focus on it is still to get people to talk about their story. But if anybody likes psychic tales and haunted, haunted houses and and uh, the, the intermingles between two-legged and spirit people, oh my goodness, is this story got some legs to it.
0: Nice, nice. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. All right, Doug. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me. And sharing your story and talking about the book and about the VA machine. Machine. It'll eat you up and chew you out sometimes.
1: Yeah, but but keep
0: uh, the faith. Keep moving forward, right? Keep the faith. Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Don't ever quit. Yep. If I I quit, I wouldn't be sitting at 100% disabled right now. Oh, you're in the 100% club, huh? I am. Dude, I had to do a higher level review. And yeah, it was great.
1: Have you come across the DCAA Board of Review yet? Not yet. Oh my God! Wait, wait till I tell you that story. Okay, um, I took my case all the way to DC. I'm oh yeah, civilian gonna... Board of Appeals. There's a, there's a lot of layers in this onion. I'm gonna end up having to do that
0: with one situation, but
1: yeah, don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. Appeal your. Just keep keep appealing and keep fighting. But I got to tell you, if you get the right service, um group. And again, I'm, I'm a big time proponent of the DAV. Mm-hmm. Again, I've had a couple of folks inside the DAV that, you know, were less desirable, but the bulk of the people in DAV have been fantastic. And I I, I, I sometimes handhold vets to get them into the DAV office to get them started. So once once they get going, they, they're usually, um, the DAV usually takes care of you pretty good. Sweet. sweet. Sorry, I'm, I'm
0: rambling. No, you're good. You're good. This is what it's all about. So thank you for being here and hanging out with me and sharing your story and and talking about the book. Uh, And everybody, thank you for hanging out with us for almost this hour. Um, Till next time, much love, be good. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which is a lot. (laughs) All right.